The material shared within this podcast is for educational purposes only and is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Bianca is a SpeedyCath Compact Set female user who has received compensation from Coloplast to provide this information. Each person's situation is unique, so your experience may not be the same. Talk to your healthcare provider about whether this product is right for you. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You should rely on the healthcare professional who knows your individual history for personal medical advice and diagnosis. Please see complete product instructions for use, including all product indications, contraindications, precautions, warnings, and adverse events. Welcome to the Real Talk Bladder and Bowel Conversations with Coloplast Care podcast, where we believe having real, honest conversations about bladder and bowel management can improve wellness, reduce stigma, and foster community support. I'm Brianna, your host, and I'm a Coloplast team member dedicated to making life easier for people with intimate healthcare needs. Let's have a real talk. We're excited to welcome back guest Bianca Faith Johnson, an ambitious New York native whose world changed after a motorcycle accident left her a paraplegic at the T4, T6 level. Since then, Bianca earned her Juris Doctorate, became an ordained reverend, and became a Master of Business Administration candidate, all while continuing to dance, travel, and advocate for the disabled community. As a busy professional in New York, Bianca has had to advocate for herself in the workplace to ensure she has what she needs to be successful. And she's here today to share her advice, along with tips and tricks for fitting her bladder management routine into her schedule. Welcome back to the Real Talk podcast, Bianca. We're excited to have you with us again. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we're happy to have you. And we got to know you during our first episode. But for those who haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, would you start by telling us a little about yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Bianca Faith Johnson. I am a legal professional. I reside in Queens, New York, all the way on the East Coast. So I don't know where you are listening from, but hello from New York. Um, I actually have been injured for going on five years now. It'll be five years on July 4th, 2022. I was involved in a near fatal motorcycle accident, which left me paralyzed from the chest down. I am classified as a T4, T6 incomplete paraplegic, um, and I've been navigating this wheelchair ever since. Um, I am an avid traveler. I love to get out and enjoy the sunlight. I skydive, I play sports. I'm on the board of directors of a spinal cord injury gym called Push to Walk. I'm also Miss Wheelchair New York, USA, and will be competing for the national title coming up. And that's just a little bit about myself. I'm a motorcycle rider, and I just, I'm excited to be here. So you've become an ordained reverend, you completed law school, and you're working on your Master of Business Administration. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to pursue all of these diverse passions and what keeps you going? Honestly, ever since I was young, I knew that I had to do something greater with my life, right? So it originally started off as me wanting to become a veterinarian, but I quickly realized that science was not my forte. So I looked at my strengths and my passions, and that all led to the legal profession or law school in general. 
And the thing I love about law school was that even if I chose never to practice or I choose never to practice again in my, uh, in my life, there's so much you can do with the Juris Doctorate degree because so many businesses want the skills that they teach you in law school for their companies. So that's pretty much what sold me on going to law school. Um, in terms of being an ordained reverend, I've actually been in ministry since about 16 years old. I preached my first sermon at uh, 16 and I was licensed at 20 and then ordained at 30. So um, yeah, it's just something I, I couldn't run from and uh, I'm tired of running. So I just kind of roll with the punches now um, and everything else. I just love people, right? I'm a humane person. I don't know. It's just been ingrained in me. So I'm always pushing to see the next person win. So whatever that looks like, uh, whether I'm pushing for someone for a better wheelchair or to work on their therapy or to work in school, um, I also am an adjunct. So I teach at the City University of New York. So pushing my students to get past that English class, that's just what I love to see people reaching their goals. Yeah, all of those things have the common thread of helping others and giving back. So that's fantastic. And you work full time in law. Can you share how you advocated for yourself and for your needs when you began working? Whew, what a story that is, right? So we have all or most of us have gone through the application process and trying to apply for jobs. And you aimlessly send out several applications at a time and hoping that something gives. And I actually had the opportunity to get a hit from two big organizations um, one was the Screen Actors Guild that would be based out in L.A. And one was my current job, um, D.C. 37, which is the city's large, one of the city's largest unions. So we actually represent over 150,000 municipal employees. Right. And they get free legal services through us. Um, so initially, when I got the interview, I was super excited. I was like, OK, I could do this. And fun fact about me, I actually love interviewing. I don't know. It's a little quirky. Some people are like, how could you love that? But I, I love, like I said, I love people. So I love being able to pick their brain and them to see mine. So as I was interviewing, they were shooting questions at me and what are you good at and what experience do you have and why would you want to work here and different things like that. And when it came to the portion of me wanting to having the opportunity to ask questions, I made sure that I advocated for myself before I even got the offer, right? So that's my advice to you, to point one, advocate for yourself even before you get the offer. Um, so immediately I asked them, what is your demographics like in your workplace, right? Do you have anyone disabled? Now, sidebar, I was not required to disclose that I had a disability initially. However, I chose to. So knowing going into this um, interview, they already were aware that I had some type of disability. They may not have known exactly what it was, but they knew that I had a disability. So I made sure to bring that to the forefront because not only does that um, does that put them on notice, but it sets you apart. Too many times we look at our disability as something that, you know, puts us in the background, but it actually sets you apart and puts you in the front line. Right. Because now I'm not only memorable from my experiences, but I'm memorable because, okay, this is a disabled applicant that I have to be mindful of if she gets this offer. So I asked them, do you have any other wheelchair users in your company? Their answer was no. I'm like, okay, so what does that look like in terms of accessibility? 
And, you know, I was grateful. They told me that they had push buttons on the bathroom or, you know, they would be able to accommodate me in uh, different uh, cubicle spaces and things like that. And, um, you know, I asked them if I I had to step away for a moment for an emergency, would that be permitted? And they said, not a problem. And I was very grateful. But every step of the way, they were willing to accommodate my needs whether that was a desk that went up and down with the push of a button so that I can comfortably roll underneath, whether that was double screen so I didn't have to necessarily reach over and strain my eyes, whether that was, even though I sit right across from the giant printer, they gave me a personal printer to put right on my desk so I wouldn't have to go back and forth. So just little things like that are things that you want to be mindful of when you're going into these interviews because they're going to make your life a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I think that's such a good perspective to address those needs up front. And then it sounds like they were really accommodating and thought of a lot of things that would make make life easier. I also asked them what it would look like to have someone such as me, someone um, in this disabled community, a part of their space. So if there was something that I could not do, right, say they required me to lift a 50 pound box that I had to get off the floor that my core just will not allow, right? You know, what does that look like? What are my responsibilities going to look like? Because not only do I want to make them feel comfortable, but I want to make sure that this is going to be a right fit for me as well, right? You don't want to just accept the first thing that's given to you just because it may look good on the outside, but you want to make sure that you are suited for the position and that they are suited for you. Um, so I I asked them, you know, what my responsibilities was, what that may look like, how they would feel. And also I asked about how the, the demeanor of the work atmosphere was, right? So do you have some employees that may not be as receptive to someone in a wheelchair? Do you have some employees that are more combative or, you know, how would that look? You know, so I wanted to make sure that it was a familiar and a family oriented atmosphere because it would make me feel more comfortable and be more transparent with the people I work with. Oh, yeah. Getting a pulse on the culture and the workplace environment is uh, super important. And it can be really difficult to gauge that from just the interview process. So I'm glad you landed somewhere that's that seems very welcoming. You had mentioned that they said they didn't have any other wheelchair users when you first started there. Can you kind of walk through how you navigate working in an environment where there may not be others who look like you or have your same abilities? Of course, it's not always the ideal situation because everyone wants to walk into a space where they, they can identify with someone. Right. So being myself, when I now and now I work in downtown Manhattan, for those of who are familiar, that's like the Wall Street area financial district. So it's extremely busy. Um, so not only is it a task getting from my car because I drive in to the office, but once I get into the building and go up, you know, it's a whole new way of navigating. First of all, the, the whole office is covered in carpet. Right. So I have to constantly keep my smart drive on to save my shoulders because that's not always the ideal terrain to be rolling on all day, every day. Um, But, you know, I had to make sure that um, those things were accepted. So they hear me coming down the hallway before they even see my face. They hear my wheels rolling. They hear that smart drive engine going. You know, they hear me coming. Um, 
But, you know, it doesn't necessarily bother me not seeing other wheelchair users, but it does encourage me that if another wheelchair user did apply, I have set the tone already. Right. So I see it as an opportunity to be that glass breaker. Right. That change maker in my company. So although I'm the first or the or the only currently, I won't be the last. Mm-hmm. You're paving the way for for others. Yes, that's right. (laughs) So we've talked a lot about self-advocacy in the workplace, but another big thing many folks with a neurogenic bladder have to think about is bladder routine and management while you're at work. So you're a busy professional. How do you fit intermittent catheterization into your everyday routine? So with my everyday routine at work, so I'm constantly meeting with clients, I'm on the phones, I'm meeting with colleagues. So there are moments when I'm not always able to just simply step away, right? But I do make sure that, you know, I schedule my clientele and I schedule my meetings around my catheterization. So if I know I have a meeting at 1.30, I'm catherine, you know, I'm catheterizing by 1.15 or so or, or 1 o'clock or 1.10 or something, giving myself enough time to both make it to the bathroom, make it back to my desk, relax myself and prepare my mind for what's to come. Um, But I try to go every four, three to four hours, a little bit more frequently when I'm at work because I want to limit the amount of accidents. Um, I also sometimes wear protection when I'm at work, you know, underwear protection, just in case I can't step away. I'm able to at least not be put in a predicament where I'm embarrassed or, have to, um, you know, subset someone to have to help me in situations like that. Um, And I just make sure that I keep a good liquid intake. And a lot of times we think about, okay, maybe I shouldn't drink so much now or drink so much in this setting. But honestly, the more you drink, especially water, the more you drink, the more you train your body on when you have to go, how you go and things like that. And it becomes a whole lot simpler. Not only are you um, it, are, are you more at ease because you have proper water intake, your energy is up, electrolytes are good, but your body also responds to that as well. Um, but yeah, I, my catherine does not take second uh, string to anyone. If I have to go, I kindly excuse myself and I go and I come back. <laughs> so it sounds like you've integrated it into the work routine really well. One thing I was wondering about, though, we've all had big adjustments with the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of us were working from home. Now we're transitioning back to the office in a lot of cases, and you've got quite the commute yourself. What has that transition been like for you? And has there been any change to how you manage your bladder routine? It has been quite the change, actually. So I actually started my job in, in the height of the pandemic for the most part or as it was just easing up. I started last year in June. So I just made one year. So, but I initially I was on a hybrid schedule. I was in two days a week and um, working from home three days. However, the two days that I was in, I was only going in to meet clients. So if I had one client or two clients or a max of three clients that day, I was only going in to meet them and then I was able to leave. However, now they're trying to fully integrate us back into the office So now opposed to me just going in to meet clients, I'm going in for two full days. Um, I'm fortunate that I I get to choose which days I want to go in. However, they're still full days. So whether that's eight to four or nine to five, 
I'm in that office setting. And if anyone knows whether an office or a school or a hospital, that AC is constantly blowing. It is so cold in my office. And I didn't know that it would affect me in the way that it is affecting me now. And because it's a whole new world now to not only just me, but to this body, my bones are cold, my hands are cold. And anyone with a spinal cord injury knows that when you're cold, you're extremely cold. And when you're hot, you're extremely hot. So I'm literally shivering at my desk. So that not only is affecting how I operate, I don't even want to type sometimes, but it is now affecting my bladder because my shivering is triggering my bladder spasm. And now I'm having to urinate more frequently. Um, So those two days that I'm in the office and they're projecting five days come September, um, it's, it's quite interesting. So now I have to definitely make sure I'm paying more attention to my body, making sure that I'm listening to it, listening to the signs, figuring out, you know, sometimes I may have to take a, a roll break, right, where I just do movement to try to warm up my body a little bit or um you know I actually just purchased some hand warmers from Amazon because if that's going to help me at my desk then so be it um you know I initially I had a space heater but that was not permitted in my office so I had to bring it on right back home so I'm just trying to figure it out you know so if anybody got some tips let me know <laughs> It's too bad they don't just turn the AC down. Uh, just don't understand. They're trying to kill us. <laughs> Try to bring some blankets and maybe some warm slippers to work. I have. I have the shawls. I have everything, but nothing works. It's so cold in there. It's so cold. And it's so funny because it's not just me, but it's able bodies as well. They're walking around, bundled up in Snuggies and teeth chattering. And I'm like, okay. Now I see where I can relate with some folks here because we're all cold at this point. (laughs) (laughs) That's a universal thing. Yeah. A lot of workplaces do that. So can you share a little bit about maybe your day-to-day go-to product for intermittent catheterization and why you always go to that product? So I personally use 99% of the time the Speedy Calf um, Compact by Coloplast. And I use that one. I use the 14 French, um, not only because it's a, it's a close, um, closed system. So there's a bag attached to it. Um, because I don't necessarily like transferring onto public toilets. So I cast a lot from my chair. So by casting in my chair, having the bag attached makes things so much more cleaner, so much easier. Um, It's completely sterile and it gets the job done quick and easy. And then I just literally let the urine drain out into the toilet and then I flush. Um, So that has been an extreme game changer for me, even in terms of when I'm getting to work sometimes, you know, depending on my intake before I leave the house, I might have to pull over on the side of the road. And with that closed system, it definitely assists me with getting the job done in the car and, you know, being clean and going about my way um, to avoid accidents. But that thing, the Speedy Calf Compact is amazing. Um, so, yeah, that's what I use at work for the most part. And do you use a different product at home or is it is it just that's kind of your go to overall? Um, I for the most part, 99% of the time, I use the Speedy Calf Compact closed system. However, sometimes when I'm at home, I will use the lipstick size 
um, one and catheter. And because it's just it's super small, you know, it, it, it's easy. I've been trying to get the hang of it and I enjoy it as well. And sometimes you want to hear, I, it may sound a little weird, but sometimes you get the, you, you get the urge to want to hear that trinkle again, right? As an able body, when you go to the bathroom, you know, you know, you're going because you hear that trinkle in the toilet. So the smaller lipstick style one allows me to hear that trinkle as I'm actually going and not post going to the bathroom by dumping it in the toilet so so yeah those those are helpful sometimes (laughs) but it's funny that you mentioned that because the funnel to empty that particular catheter was actually designed to sound just like going to the bathroom so that it's just extra discreet so that if you were you know you happen to be in a public restroom the people next to you don't hear anything out of the ordinary so just another level of uh, discretion. It definitely that is job. It, it it rolls to the occasion because it definitely I'll be using the bathroom sometime and I'm like, uh, I, you know, you I don't like to use the word normal, but essentially I feel normal when I'm using it. I'm like, okay, I remember this five years ago. This is how it went, you know. So it works out great. It's the little things, and if it's something that you were you're not hearing for a yeah. while, I can imagine it's just kind of a change of routine. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So what advice would you give to individuals looking to advocate for themselves at work? Oh, advice I would give. So everyone, listen closely, okay? I need you to turn the volume up. When you are advocating for yourself at work, do not hold back. Whatever you need or feel you may need in order to accommodate your needs or to make you feel more comfortable, don't ever feel like you're not worthy of the space that you occupy. If you got the position, that's because they need you, all right? They need your skill set and whatever you need in order to be um, efficient at that skill set or at that job, you need to voice it. So even if that's not apparent to you at first, such as in the interview process or after the first week, I don't care if it's after the first month or year, if you see something that needs to be changed, voice your opinion about it. Don't think that you're going to be a burden. It's time to stop apologizing for the way you were born, the way you were injured, the fact that you're in a wheelchair or have any other disability. It's time to stop apologizing for that and get what you need. So that would be my biggest advice to anyone listening. Don't feel as if you have to hold back on your own needs in order to accommodate someone else who the spaces were already designed for. Okay, because at the end of the day, these spaces that we're entering were never designed for us. And it's up to us to speak up and advocate for ourselves so that we can pave the way for people coming after us. Not only advocate for your your space and your peace of mind and your accommodation, advocate for your salary too, okay? Make sure that you are not taking low-ball salary offers just because you are you have a disability. Because guess what? People will try it, okay? Make sure that you know what you are worth and go for your worth. If you have to negotiate higher, I don't care if it's tens of thousands of dollars above um, what they're offering. If you feel like you are worth that, make sure you advocate and then just prove, show and prove. You've got this. And negotiating is something a lot of people struggle with. And I think especially as women, that can also add an additional barrier where you feel like you don't have that power to, to push back. 
Yes. So a lot of us have a double whammy, you know, a triple whammy. Not only are we, you know, females, but we're disabled. So you just want to make sure that you are getting everything that you deserve. And also just have fun, you know, and I I pray that everyone finds a place that they actually enjoy going to or work um, uh, a career or job that they enjoy doing. Because no one wants to live, you know, it's hard enough for us in the disability community to wake up every day, right? So you don't want an extra level of stress by waking up to go somewhere that you don't enjoy, right? So make sure that you're doing something that you enjoy. I'm telling you, it makes the difference. And if you can find a core group of coworkers that you can be transparent with, that you can, you know, voice your opinions about, uh, opinions to, Find them and hold them close because it definitely makes a difference. This has been great, Bianca. I want to thank you again for joining us. This is really useful and I think will really help all of our listeners who are trying to advocate for themselves at work and also fit in their bladder management routine. We've enjoyed having you back with us and thank you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. To try free samples of SpeedyCath Compact Set Female mentioned in this episode, visit the website in this podcast description or call 1-866-226-6362. Samples are available with a valid prescription only. Limitations apply.